And now, a word from our sponsors. The Oyster Recovery Partnership is the nonprofit expert in Chesapeake Bay oyster restoration. The Oyster Recovery Partnership has planted more than 9 billion oysters on 3,000 acres of reef and recycled more than 250 bushels of shell. Everyone benefits from a healthy Chesapeake Bay. Poor water quality and declining habitats can be reversed. Oysters are the answer. Pescavore is packaged in a convenient single serving size with no refrigeration required until after opening. Pescavore is the perfect, healthy, and delicious snack for those on the go. Pescavore, tuna that travels. Hey, what's going on, good people? It's Gardener Douglas, your oyster ninja. Um, take two. <laughs> take two guys um so we um rec- we didn't record this bomb conversation that we just previously had 20 minutes ago um so we're gonna try this again okay um let's let's try this thank you for uh listening to the oyster ninja podcast um the numbers are growing so tell a friend to tell a friend um about the podcast you know, if you like learning about oyster farmers, raw bars, um, oysters, uh, anything, aquaculture, climate change, tell a friend that the Oyster Ninja podcast are interviewing, is interviewing some great people in the community. And uh, it's pretty cool. Um, today, I got Steamboat Wharf Oyster Company here with Miss, is it Callie or Kaylee? It's Callie. Oh, I said, okay. Callie and Tom. Um, now, it's crazy because, like, now I want to say everything that I said before that I can't really remember. <laughs> and, but let's, let's try it anyway, right? Let's try it. Um, we had a dry run. Now we we had a good dry real. run. <laughs> we had a great dry run. Dry run. <laughs> um, so hopefully you're following me on the social media, right? So um, if you're not, SS Shuckin is the S dot S dot shucking is the uh, mobile raw bar. Uh, Oyster Ninja PC, of course, is the podcast page. Uh, but yesterday I went live um, because these great people sent me some oysters. Uh, and I went live and surprisingly, I, I ate their oysters from the Northern Neck, uh, which I usually don't um, care for. If you listen to me or look at any of my videos, um, I'm not a sweet oyster person. I love salty oysters. Um, but these oysters like shot the heck out of me, like blew my mind, literally. Like, I mean, it was on the ground. Um, so after I picked up my brain, I ate another oyster and I really, um, sat down to process the flavor profile and not only the flavor profile, but I looked at the love, their love, mother nature's love. Doesn't matter. The finished product was perfect. Dang near perfect. Um, a great shell, a good shucking shell. So if you're a, a home shucker, you're going to love these oysters. If you're an oyster lover, you're going to love these oysters. Uh, if you're a raw bar, a manager, a general manager, or whatever. If you're at a bar, you're going to love these oysters. So uh, when I went live, you could see the just the the love in my face. You know what I mean? So I want to introduce you guys, my listeners, to Steamboat Wharf Oysters 
What's going on? How y'all feel again? Hey, thanks, <laughs> thanks for having, having us. us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's funny. Yeah, um, we're happy to be here. We love your show. Um, I've excited seen to talk. Almost every episode. Yeah, <laughs> we're excited to talk about oysters. oysters. What we do. And now, since I know the story, um, first of all, how did you guys come up with the name Stingboat Wharf Oyster? So, uh, we, the first town, the, the first uh, lease. lease that we had is in Maratico, which is a town on the Rappahannock River, uh, which is where I grew up. Um, right, we used to ride bikes down down the street in Maratico to the general store. Um, it's uh, it's a historical town. It um, was one of the largest steamboat hubs in the Chesapeake Bay back in the 1800s, late 1800s. Um, they used to have uh, a cannery at the end of the end of a pier that used to jut out into the Rappahannock. Um, Rappahannock is river is like 80 feet deep in some spots. So you can run steamboats, you know, all the way up to Fredericksburg, downriver to, you know, Baltimore and Norfolk. Um, so there was a, a wharf there um, with a cannery at the end of it. And watermen used to dredge oysters up and down the bay and bring it to the cannery to, to, to uh, shuck out the oysters and can them. And after, you know, a hundred years or so, there was a huge shell pile that built up underneath the wharf um, where steamboats would come up to and grab the cans and take them all over the, all over the East coast. And then a storm wiped out the pier in the 1930s uh, and just left the shell pile behind is the only thing that remains and some, some dock pilings that are just barely yeah. visible through, through the top of the reef. Low mubs. Yeah. Um, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff out there. It's, there's like oysters the size of your forearm that are growing that are 30 or 40 years old. Um, and then there's like some, artifacts, <laughs> some old booze jugs. Yeah. Old booze jugs. I, <laughs> I grabbed this for the, the last time we, we like posted, old, but uh, shucking, shucking knife. knife that we found just rolling around in the, in the reef. Um, but yeah, that's where the name comes from. It's kind of an homage to the, the history of the region and, you know, the legacy of, uh, of, of the watermen in the area. A lot of the watermen, um, from Radica are descendants from people who lived in Tangier. Uh, so it's, you know, the, it's, it's a it really deep. old community. Um, there's a lot of history. There's a museum, water, Maratico Waterfront Museum. Um, it's open on the weekends. And that's the only reason we knew about the Steamboat Wharf was because the work the museum mm -hmm. has done and um, maintained those documents. and um, yeah. All stories and interviews from watermen who used to work there. Honestly, that was going to be my, uh, my next question. Like, how did you find out about this history about that area? But um, the museum is there. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Um, so you guys are in this area. Um, you, you started an oyster farm, but why? Like, are you guys, were you brought up in this lifestyle, um, of, of oyster farming or oyster harvesting or any of that? Yeah, I, um, I'm from Virginia beach originally. Uh, my dad was a very passionate deep sea fisherman, uh, and so I grew up on boats with him and with my brother and my mom. And um, we grew up doing tournaments. And I think I might have caught more fish than Thomas, but this is an ongoing By pound. By, yeah. by pound. I might have caught more, more largemouth bass and catfish in but, my day. But yeah. she's, caught, she's caught by far the largest fish. Yeah. <laughs> 400 but it pound was, tunas. And whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up doing that since I was like eight with my, with my family and um, – it was just kind of like a parenting ploy, I think, to get kids offshore with no cell service mm -hmm. and like spend some good quality time together. Yeah. Um, and then I worked for 
uh, Lynn Haven River Now, which is a nonprofit on the Lynn Haven River, which is where I grew up and did a lot of like oyster restoration projects. They share an office with um, Chesapeake Bay Foundation. So they do a lot of like joint work in the Virginia Beach area. Um, and I, ha I had no idea that this is what I would be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I grew up here in the Northern Neck. I went to Lancaster High School. Um, I spent, you know, my childhood running around in the river. Um, my dad was a judge uh, in the area and he had an oyster leaf lease, um, which is the one in Simeratico. And we used to go out there and rake up oysters all the time just for friends and family. Gas um, money. Yeah. <laughs> so I made it through uh, high school. Um, you know, driving around, needed some, needed some money needed for some all the change. gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drive 20 minutes to get anywhere here in the Northern neck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we went to college, um, 2014 and then graduated. Um, and we were trying to figure out what to do. Uh, we were living in Charlottesville. Um, and, then... and kind of like tossing around the idea for like in a, in a couple years, we should do this yeah. in like five years, we should do this. We're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. And then March, 2020 happened and we had the option to move to 30 acres or stay in our two bedroom apartment. And obviously we were like 30 acres for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Callie was working remote so she could just, we can move wherever. And I was working at a raw bar in, in town and they closed. So I was out of job. Um, so we, you know, decided we'd move to the Northern neck to my parents' farm at 30 acres, um, you know, a place for us to stay. So we, that's where we started out just yeah. experimenting with building cages, uh, you know, <laughs> doing, doing everything incorrectly. Yeah. I had no idea what we were doing. We didn't have, there's like, there's we no, went in blind. There's no blueprints <laughs> for any of these cages. Um, so we just were, you know, had a wire bender and a roll of aqua mesh and we're and hog, a hog ring. Yeah. Done. Cranking out. <laughs> that was like what we did for a month. Big old hurt bus, you know, husky cages yeah. <laughs> and we can't, can't move around in the water. Um, but we, we figured it out. We got yeah. some used some used gear from some watermen who were retiring and um you know they were all trying to stay afloat uh during covid and it was unfortunate timing i think for like every other farm mm -hmm. and you know we're aware of that and we don't want to like be like oh we timed us perfectly because that's not how we feel like we definitely feel for the other farms and don't know what we would do if we were in that situation yeah. but, but a lot of people are trying to make extra cash because the you know restaurants yeah. were closed they were selling off um, some used gear that Where we bought. Where they could, yeah. yeah. So we were able to kind of benefit from from that. From the retire, yeah. We yeah. also just got tapped into this retired like. There's a lot of watermen. <laughs> there's a lot of watermen in the area who are retiring. You know, they're getting the 70s and 80s, and they um, got wind of got uh, wind that we were trying to buy their gear. So <laughs> we got met a, lot of, <laughs> met a lot of characters that way. Yeah, for sure. So we have a. Uh, that's that's so that's what we did for about two or three years. We just you know had bottom cages and we're um, just growing oysters out um, just on the river bottom um, on that lease uh, where the, in, Maratico. in Maratico. Yeah, and uh, it's a lot of work. We figured out real quick that you know you can, it's really easy to put oysters in the water. It's really easy to put seed in the water. You know you can fit you know ten thousand oyster seed in like a pint glass, um, and then you figure out real quick that. These, yeah, these when they start grow to grow, fast. <laughs> shit hits the fan. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> wound up spending, you know, gosh, you know, sun, sunrise to sunset out there, just power washing, splitting seed, moving it back out to the farm. Um, it's a lot of work. It's fun. You're on the water all the time. But. <laughs> yeah. 
so obviously you guys have um a great oyster great product um how do you how do you grow the oysters i know a lot of people you know they're going to be bottomed or they're going to be it's all types of ways to do it and you talked a little bit about you know um doing everything the wrong way in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then kind of learning so how what is the product the product that you're pushing out now how do you grow it yeah we we have experimented with just about every type of oyster gear there is just the only way to the only way to to figure out what works is to try it so we were starting out with bottom cages because we thought that was the only way to do it um just because we were brand new into this industry we didn't have any of the connections that we do now or and didn't know knowledge yeah Yeah. um so we we had bought just a bunch of uh wire mesh and we're we're clipping it together and putting it on the lease um the nice thing about our lease that we started out with is that there's a lot of height topographical differences and the where the height of the water is so we have one spot that's real shallow um so we can move we have a line of cages up there and we have one spot that's real deep um where we have cages there too it's and just a fancy way to say that we have like a shallow lease yeah 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 um <laughs> with so, like hard bottom with which a hard, makes all the hard shell bottom which which is great which we didn't know made it we we put our first line of oysters in mud yeah yeah the first time we went we out literally there just put them in mud had no idea what we were doing we had no idea and we pulled the oysters out and like half of them were dead we're like ah dang it so we moved them we're like okay we'll move them into shallow you know, actually i guess that wasn't until like a couple months in where tom came home and he's like you know the waves are breaking on this like shallow part of the lease like we should put the cages there and yeah. we're like okay oysters like um you know they they like to be exposed they're intertidal species so the the more you, the more you get them to shut and and, and expose them, the, yeah. Then the they're exercising whenever they close and shut their shell, so you're toning that adductor muscle, and that meat tends to be a lot firmer um, than one that's just grown in the bottom. It's um, not as runny, and you right. can kind of tell the difference. It's a texture um, difference. A lot of people, yeah. it's appealing to a lot of people. Um, so the, the oysters that grow in that that were growing on that shallow water section of the lease. Were just so much more appealing um, they were looking good they were looking good their Less waves fouling. a lot of wave energy was washing over them um, they get exposed for about an hour during low tide so there was less biofouling there was less al- algae and barnacles um, and so overall it's just less labor because we don't have to you know, have to like take them out of the water and power wash them yeah and, there's a there's a and clean them up as horrible much. cycle to get caught in with the uh, bottom yeah. cages of yeah. power like by the time the water warms up you're already behind yeah, no, we're constantly, we're still behind. Yeah, we, we've we're never, never up. we're never, we've yeah. never up. <laughs> There's like oysters out there that are probably, there's like at least one bag of oysters from our first. Like, like who knows where they are? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what they look like? Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the ones that escape. <laughs> yeah, the forget-me-nots. And we get, we got cages, we got knocked around the first, you know, the, the cages that were out there got just absolutely destroyed that first uh, big hurricane that we had. Um, and so we had to go out there and flip them upright and rearrange and, and of course they weighed they weighed probably 700 pounds a piece because of all the fouling and the oysters and everything um and we just didn't know what we were doing because we built all these cages you know wrong with no blueprints <laughs> or schematics or whatever um so it took about a year for us to fine tune just that one lease um just a year of just trying whatever seeing what ha- see what stuff out of wall and, and seeing staying what stuck. you know flexible and having 
enough pride to admit like, Hey, this didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> or but, like, you know, un being humble enough with ourselves to be like, we need to do something different. Like this just isn't sustainable. And I think that's kind of what has transitioned us to looking for floating gear. Mm -hmm. What we'll realize is that oysters, they like to be tumbled around. They, you know, the more they're resilient, the more, more they friction, are, the more wave yeah. action you can give them, the cleaner, the prettier, the more uniform they'll be, the tougher the shells will be. Um, the less worms and barnacles will be growing on them. Um, and that, that was indicative of all those oysters that were growing in the shallow water. So we, you know, just, we've been trying to figure out how to do that without one, having a team of like 10 people to mm -hmm. help us do it with bottom cages and, you know, just doing it in a way that's not going to kill us or burn us out. Yeah. Um, so we, we started a new farm in Whitestone, um, which is the oysters that we sent you were from Whitestone. Yeah, we're all from that farm. And these are in floating cages that you can flip um, mechanically. It's a, called the flip farm. Um, and you can expose them to air. And that's just the act of flipping them is, is helping just more evenly distribute the oysters around in the cage, um, which allows each oyster to get uh, equal access to nutrients so they can grow more uniformly they get a lot of wave action it's super choppy out there which has good pros and cons yeah you know? we i mean don't get us wrong like this has not been like flipping a light switch and like everything's easier mm -hmm. no you have to get <laughs> used like, to being out you know in the one we, one foot waves routinely you know just being out there working which is in a different lease and you know we were listening to your interview with lambert and he was talking about wanting a seaside lease. And he's like, well, I don't know how the seaside works. And I was like, oh my God, that's what we're going through. It's kind of this idea of like, we're in a, we're in the same river. We're 10 miles closer to the bay. We're a lot more exposed and it might as well be like a different country. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Different salinity. Different, different salinity, different way the waves move, different mm -hmm. way the tides influence how we can work, you know, mm -hmm. It, like the bottom is completely different. It's all sand. So how that impacts us and yeah, you can't do, it's hard to do bottom cages in that sand. Yeah. They just get sucked into the And sand. that lease is rough. There's a lot of energy. There's a mm -hmm. lot of movement and we're just trying to like figure out if the gear, you know, yeah. I, we're just going through it in a different way. And I think we have to constantly remind ourselves, like everything wasn't perfect in Maratico when we started there. Right. But the, the, the oysters that are coming out of this more high energy environment are just so polished and they're beautiful. Insane. They're like marbles. They're so beautiful. Which, is, uh, which makes it worth it. Oh yeah. <laughs> like 100%. And you know, on your live, you were talking about how clean the shell was. We, we didn't even wash. We didn't touch those with the hose. We pulled those out of the cages, put it in the fridge and put it in a shipping box and sent it to you. And whereas in Maratico, we spend probably four hours cleaning yeah if you know on a typical harvest day mud. it's half the time is spent just like cleaning the oysters to make them presentable to send them to restaurants um or you know direct to consumer or whatever however we're getting the oysters out you gotta like they're covered in mud and algae and barnacles and you gotta pressure wash yeah, them just about just to, yeah, yeah just to get them into the into bags to harvest them but here in in the new spot that we have in whitestone it's you're, you're dumping them out onto the table and right into the Just bag. There's them. no, we don't even need to wash them. It's like putting yeah, them in a washing machine. Didn't even need a hose on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, oh man, we don't so, even need this. So all these, all the stuff that we're experimenting with is just to save labor and to make it easier on ourselves. So we're not, it's not killing ourselves or but we're the still employees growing. that we were going to hire. Yeah. Um, and still growing like a really, really good product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely a really good product for sure. Um, 
I was listening to you talk and I, I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, granted you're established now, um, but going back to those beginning days and you also talked about, you know, the humbling experience and saying, you know what, we did this wrong. We got to redo it. But like, was there any time like I'm thinking about to like that first week when you're not really out in these streets like that, like you haven't been working on the water in the water. Like, was there a times like, you know what, uh, let's, let's go back down south. You know, <laughs> maybe just maybe we're not we're not really oyster farmers. <laughs> you uh -huh. know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. was there a time like let's let's cut it now and let's keep it moving? Yeah, I mean it's tough. There's there's like I don't think we've ever had like a if this doesn't work conversation. I think we've gotten close to it. But <laughs> the nice thing is I I grew up just walking around on the lease out there and picking up wild oysters and like that's how I made gas money and, and going through high school. Yeah. But um, there's there's always that option of just, you can just take oysters and just chuck them out on that lease and they'll grow. You don't need any cages or gear or anything out there. Um, so that's that was always in the back of my mind. Like if this whole far farming thing isn't gonna work out, like we can always just yeah, do it throw like oysters do. like in old, like how they used to do, um, yeah. or they still do, you know, just wild, harvesting wild oysters. Yeah, and but, I think also just like staying positive and I mean, people like our product. So like even on the worst days, and I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but like our friends and the people that like are encouraging us and like, they have no idea that mm -hmm. we're like, this is the worst day of our lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like this is going horribly, but then they'll call us and be like, man, that's so cool. I saw this on Instagram. It looks like you guys are doing so well. And we're kind of in the back of our minds. Like, I don't know, are we doing so well? <laughs> but I guess everyone else thinks we are. So we should just keep going. <laughs> like. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's you know, once you start putting stuff out there, you realize that, like it's a gut check. It's a gut check. You know, you invest a lot of time and, and money into it. Um, but we've been doing well so far. We haven't had any major catastrophes yet. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of um, you know, investing that time and you guys spend a lot of time together. You know, you're 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 waking up to each other. You're going to work together. You're, you're, you're in the midst of it. How's that been? Like, has it been pros, cons? How does that, how does that work out? I mean, it works out great. We've been, <laughs> we haven't, we're still together. We've been doing this for yeah, three years. Yeah, we're still on track to get married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting married in September. Um, no, we, you know, we, we work really well together. We have a good division of labor and we each kind of like divide our farm responsibilities and um, admin. admin versus. Yeah, Thomas doesn't touch paperwork. I just touch oysters pretty much. Um, it works out pretty well. No, uh, it's been good. I mean, it's definitely uh, a different relationship than it was when we first met and like started dating. And I think um, just having the respect to work with each other and like hear each other out and hold space for uh, one of us is going to be in a bad mood. One of us is going to be in a good mood. But if one of us can, if we can kind of cover the good and the bad, then, you know, we're good. We can hold space for the other in that way. And um, I think, when we first started, like a lot of people would tell Thomas, like, wow, Thomas, this is great. What a great oyster you grow, grew. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, like, this is, uh, this is a 50, 50 effort. You know? Yeah. And kind of like having him be an advocate in that way. We don't really get that as much anymore. No. Which I, don't know, I don't know why. Maybe it's social media, yeah. but um, definitely when we were like meeting with people and like buying gear, they're like, oh, I love that your girlfriend's with you. And I'm just looking at him like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, this is like neither of us could do this without the other one. This is a 100% yeah. a, a team effort. And um, 
luckily we love we love each other and like working with each other for some couples you know that could be a relationship ender yeah um, if they, they it's a quick way to show they realize they, <laughs> show they don't like living with each other or working with each other yeah know, it'd be tough but um no i mean like we we've been dating since college and <laughs> yeah. we realized that we enjoy spending time with each other. So um, just found a way to spend every day. Yeah. <laughs> How can we spend more time together? Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Let's start our oyster farm and we can <laughs> do this nonstop every day, seven days a week. What does it take to, to run an oyster farm? Say again. There's some frustrating times for sure, but uh, the, the, like we always, you know, the boundaries are good. Yeah. We always make it work. Like if we know. sit down for a meal and one of them says, don't even bring it up. We're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like, have to like set times aside where we yeah. just don't talk about oysters. But it's also, <laughs> those times are kind of when the more fun, like creative, like what if we did this, you know, mm -hmm. like when we're not talking about the day to day or like the, what went wrong or what went well, we kind of have these fun, like creative brainstorming of mm -hmm. like, in what world could we grow oysters this way? Like, is this crazy? And mm -hmm. I feel like those come out of like those dinners of yeah. like, I don't want to talk about. <laughs> it's all one. We end up talking about it anyways, but in a different way. This this farm is just a big experiment, um, you know, just trying to see what works. And uh, it's been a lot of fun and it's very rewarding. Um, it's just when we find something that works and we just. Yeah, there's nothing like it. finding something that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's had a lot of evolutions and um, with a lot of evolutions to come still, I think. Yeah. So two questions. One is where do you see your oyster farm going? Like in the future, what would you like it to be? And the other is, uh, what does it actually take to, to run the farm like a day? Like, are you out there every single day? Um, like what does it take? And I mean, we're talking, it's not just an oyster farm, it's a business. So, you know, you got the oysters, but you also have, um, you know, the paperwork, you got, you know, different, Hassups and you know health departments and like what what goes into this oyster farm social media you know everything you yeah ahead. i think it depends on the day for sure like we'll do you know it's a lot of really hard days on the water and then coming home and being like okay i have to do this email i have to do this post or mm -hmm. um just trying to keep up with like the admin side of it is like its own its own full-time job. But, yeah. um, I think Thomas does a lot more on the water. Mm -hmm. Like if the weather's nice enough and he feels like, okay, I can go out by myself, then I can kind of tackle things back in the office. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of work, but, um, just being out on the water is very rewarding. You know, we're out probably out there three or four days a week. And every day looks different. There's no day that like, we can accomplish all things yeah. <laughs> if we can accomplish like one of three things that we set out to do like that's a good day on the water for sure but you know i think where we see the business going is for my from my perspective the direct to consumer side of it is really important and i think that's why i put a lot of effort into social media and into our marketing so that we can get encourage people you know to get those oysters and ship them to your door and influence them to want Mm -hmm. fresh seafood and um yeah it's what like what keeps us going um aside from the fact that we're just making a lot of like making money which is like the ultimate goal is to be you know financially sound yeah um and and grow oysters is like this is a real sustainable industry so we're able to like feel good about ourselves that we're growing you know protein for people 
with no without inputs. with no input you know the only thing we're putting in the water is oysters yeah um, versus you know some some forms of protein production where you're putting in you know fertilizers and hormones and antibiotics yeah and, and i think like that might be one of the biggest things that pushes us. It might not come out maybe as like the first thing, but, you know, being environmentally sound, I don't think a lot of people can say that they are in terms of their business mm -hmm. and what they produce and the, the negative impacts. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. Well, there's always people applying for floating farms and there's always groups of people that are against them for whatever reason. And they, these, these like, falsities of negative potential negative impacts of oysters like come up and thomas and i are always like where do these people find this yeah, information yeah, yeah. Like, who is, like who is telling them that yeah actually too many oysters is bad like who, <laughs> where do they find this info and just kind of i think that also pushes our social media as like we want to educate people and show them what it is day to day and how mm. like it's not as glamorous we're muddy we're gross like sometimes we look cute not, mm -hmm. not a majority of the time for sure. And, um, yeah, it's very wet. This, this job is very weather driven. That's something that I've realized is like, if it's calm outside, it's, it's the waves, there's no waves. It's a beautiful day. It's we're about working to be a long day. Yeah. We're working all day, day long. <laughs> <laughs> there's no like, Oh, it's nice today. I think I'll take the day off. You know? No, it's like, it's freezing yeah. and blowing a gale. So yeah. I guess I'll stay in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But even even on those days where it's just nasty outside, you just got to go do it. And, you know, in the wintertime, it's it's no fun because your hands are cold and yeah, water's cold and oysters yeah. are cold. And <laughs> but uh, we always debate if uh, a super cold day is worse than like a super hot day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We're, hot so, days open. Are... We're so open to input. <laughs> yeah. In the wintertime, you're always waiting for summer. You're like, oh, summer, I want it to you're be like, I want it to be cold. <laughs> done with this okay. i want to be an oyster farmer. the answer to question we just rambled <laughs> i mean a, a rambled answer is still an answer no you answered yeah. it you answered it that's cool um i think i want to be an oyster farmer but just for like um three or four hours yeah <laughs> just three or four hours yeah, that's my threshold too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here we are so i actually uh worked on an oyster farm i worked at a true chesapeake for i think we went out there for like three or four days Mm-hmm. And um uh you know, down with Patrick Hudson and uh uh at that time it was me and some other guys. Um but that was when my back was still good. I couldn't imagine that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even come close to imagine that. And I couldn't swim then, I can't swim now. You know, that's the other thing. <laughs> so but I do know it was it was definitely fun. Um you know, not fun. I just like learning new things. I think that's, that was the whole thing. And it was learn. It was cool to see the process, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, starting on land. Well, he had up dwellers. I don't know how he does it now, but he had up dwellers. Um, and then seeing that process and then seeing, you know, the different sizes of the bags and, you know, the little oysters, the bigger oysters and the different, you know, just the whole process behind it. And also not even that I'm thinking back, like just how he, manage the rotation like all right this today we're gonna work this line and you know that line and uh you know and and then um i think like up near the dock he had like the oysters that were ready for market so just seeing all of that in the process was real cool um 
But yeah, right now, yeah, I could be an oyster farm about three hours, two and a half, <laughs> two and a half, three hours. Depends on Under if right. I had a shot before. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> that's all you want to spend out there is just two or three hours ready to go in. And some days it's like out there from morning till sunset and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and uh, no complaints. But, Those days are few and far between. And then you but... can <laughs> finish work and drink a beer and you're already out there on the water. It's nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. What were we talking about last night? Like the addictive side of nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's like a definitely like an addictive side of this job that's like a beautiful sunset like hanging out spending time drinking a beer on the boat yeah and then there's like the really not fun parts but you're like forever chasing that dragon of yeah, the, yeah yeah <laughs> like a beautiful, beautiful. warm sunset like, no this is why i decided to do this yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, i'm not was... in an office all day long thank god <laughs> yeah. i do a lot of meditating um mm-hmm. and uh it's amazing how my mindset has changed since I started meditating, which my wife just says I do naps during my lunchtime. <laughs> it's, it's more than just a nap. Um, but I can just imagine like being out there on the water. Like this is after my two or three hours, not after your work day. This is after my mm-hmm. two or three hours um, of working and just taking it all in, you know, uh, feeling the moisture in the air, feeling the sun on the skin, um, mm-hmm. feeling the breeze go through my, my hair. You know, <laughs> as I was saying, um, a oyster shucker would appreciate this oyster. A chef would appreciate this oyster. A consumer would appreciate this oyster. It's easy to shuck, easy to slurp, easy to sell. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a bar. <laughs> you guys, first of all, for taking another amount of time, which was short. Oh my gosh, the last episode was magic. This episode is nice. It's cool. Yeah, we hit we hit all the hot spots, but the 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 last one was perfect. I feel like um, it's hard to, you know, uh, make two Picassos. You know, um, so thank you guys for taking time. Um, we're definitely going to talk again. We're going to talk in the future. Um, uh, I know something you guys have because of the last episode is you guys have a membership. You want to talk about it? We know that it's important to do you know, have a raw bar experience, but we also want people to feel like, actually, I can do this. You know, I can order this on my own. It's a little cheaper than going to a raw bar. Um, But we offer a three month subscription, 25 or 50 count oysters to come right to your door first of every month. Um, It's a really fun thing to look forward to. I know I do it with um, some of the farms in the area I do with like meat and like lamb and stuff. And I always look forward to those delivery days. and I think it's just a fun date night. It's a fun thing to split up with friends if maybe you don't want 50, but you can split the cost with some friends and mm-hmm. divide it up that way or have like a shucking night or roast them or do whatever, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways to prepare them. And um, that's on our website. We also just ship one off if you want to just see what, how they come and what they look like and um, test out different sizes. We also have merch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can cool. we can ship anywhere in the lower 48. So if you're listening to this in Seattle or Arizona, we ship to the both yeah. of those spots. <laughs> My brother lives in or used to live in Seattle and we ship it to him all the time. Yeah. Um, we sent yeah. some to Arizona. Yeah. So we can we can send them anywhere. Um, but yeah, I think the subscription box is a fun place to mm-hmm. start. But yeah, those, you know, there's a lot of this industry is really cool and there's a lot of great people, um, especially in Virginia. I'm sure it's the same way in other states. 
Um, but Virginia has a great uh, oyster culture, all the farms um, that are near us, Rogue Oyster Company, um, Sapidus Farms, uh, Lambert Shellfish. Yeah, we message miss, Lambert. I'm missing a ton. We message but... Lambert. We, we commiserate with yeah, Lambert yeah, a lot. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's, this is a wonderful place to grow oysters, and um, it's blown up in the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so. Um, you know, we're trying to bring back, bring back oysters. This region is, was always known for it. Um, but you know, historically the population has hit a decline and trying to, trying to bring that back. Yeah. And um, if you're an oyster looking to start an oyster farm or want to talk about it, yeah, call give us, us a call. <laughs> we'll, don't, don't be We hesitant. won't sugarcoat it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you the, the, the real, the, the realist, <laughs> uh, picture. <laughs> As I'm sure every oyster farmer will. Yeah. <laughs> what's the What's the best piece? Of, before I let you guys go, what's the best piece of advice that you think you received, maybe in life or during this oyster journey? Um, if you knew how hard it would be, you'd never do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, yeah, I'd say, yeah, it's it's hard, but it's rewarding. Being in this uh, lifestyle, man, I got so many questions now, right? Being in this lifestyle, uh, this oyster lifestyle. Um, what do you think it's going to take, like not you as a business, but uh, as an industry, what is it going to take to um, get to the next level? And what do you think that looks like? I know it's a, it's a, it's a hardcore question, but, you know, we took it pretty easy on you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to grow a million. So I think we're going to have to hire some employees or at least one or but, two okay, employees. Okay, but that wasn't the question. What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> like, like the so, so the industry in whole. Like, what do you think, what is it going to, what, what does that next level look like, first of all, and like, what is it going to take to get there? Like, cause, because you were talking about VIMS and mm -hmm. all the nonprofits and things, I just want to know, like, what do you think is going to take? I think for the farm-raised guys, the history, the Virginia industry is historically wild all wild oysters, which look very different than farm-raised. They taste a lot different than farm-raised and they're, they're, everything about them is different. Um, the way people use public reefs, um, you know, and we listen to, who, who was it that we listened to speak? Mr. Kellum. We listened to Mr. Kellum give a speech and when he took over his farm, he was one of the first people that went to a lot of the wild oyster guys and was like, Hey, we're actually, we're going to rotate what leases we use so that we can give an opportunity for restoration. And that was kind of one of the biggest and like first steps towards restoration in Virginia. And I know he said that he was, it was received poorly, mm -hmm. um, but I mean, this was years ago and it was probably one of the first, first initiatives um, in Virginia. And I think, you know, restoration projects obviously need to continue and and be thoughtful and and be capitalized on but i think as people are starting to sell farm-raised oysters in virginia we're, we're going against um a culture of virginia oysters that's all wild and i think for farms we kind of have to posture ourselves a little different and and we have to sell a bigger oyster than other farms you know we were in Savannah and for Oyster South, and they have all these oysters from North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, all over doing their display. And their oysters are a lot smaller than something that we would typically sell. But I think that's just 
from the culture of wanting a big Virginia oyster. So that's something, you know, that I think we've accepted as a, a product that it has to come out of Virginia. Like, I think if we tried to sell small things, our distributor would be like, no, <laughs> like, this just isn't what we're looking for. Um, not to say that that's good or bad, but well, I consu think consumers want all different types of things. There's no, yeah. one, there's no uniform consumer. I don't know if that was, the yeah. that, but um, I, I think there's a culture of like a big, cheap Virginia oyster. <laughs> right. 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 Um, look no, for. I, if you look at, you know, new England and Canada and Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, um, you know, they, they charge in $3. a lot more for oysters. The first is what traditionally people have charged for oysters in Virginia. In Virginia. And yeah. When we started, you know, selling oysters, you know, you're, you're wholesale, you're like in the below 50 cents per oyster um, versus in, in New England, people are getting 80, 70. Not even thinking about it. I, I feel like there's, there's some pushback if we, if we ask for a certain price, cause like, what do you mean you're from Virginia? Like this is a Rappahannock oyster. Like yeah, yeah. no one's going to pay that, you know? Um, and not, not to say that that's good or bad. I think it's just something to consider. If you're starting in Virginia, you need to have a bulk, a bulk model versus a boutique model, mm. um, which is something I think we've kind of debated continuously. But now I feel like we can grow a boutique oyster mm -hmm. in a bulk model. Um, so kind of trying to just make that work. But that right. from consistency, yeah, bulk. consistency and. But I think, I think when it's for podcasts and, and social media, um, just getting the idea of oyster farming out there. I think Gardner, you're doing a great job just having the show and talking to people and, and, and advocacy for the, for the, you know, oyster industry in general, yeah. oyster farming. In general. I mean, there's still a very large knowledge gap between people don't realize where that, these things come you know, from <laughs> the whole thing. And that's something we get talk people talk, ask us about every day is like, I thought we can't eat oysters in the month of R. At once or, a day. Or, or oysters in months that don't, that have don't an end R in R. Um, yeah. And we just, it's just a constant battle to try to correct those misconceptions. Um, because we have refrigeration now, we can, <laughs> we can get them cold yeah. real quick and send them to you um, within 24 hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and even just teaching people the difference between farm raised and wild oysters is, right. is its own battle. But now, because back in the, you know, back in the 1900s, people, you know, can, canned oysters, you know, people were eating them all the way in Kansas city and all over the, and they're probably from Virginia, all over the world. And a lot of them <laughs> are from Virginia. Um, yeah. It's like oyster canneries were, were huge. And now you, you know, there are no oyster, you know, there's some, they're hard to find. They're hard to, they're far and few between, um, for like local canned oysters. Um, you're few and far between. Or smoked. Yeah. 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 So we're trying to bring back that, that idea that oysters don't have to be like the luxury food they're you know they're they can be the the working working man's food again you know anybody can eat oysters you just just call us we'll send them to you <laughs> yeah i mean the amount of times that we've just like given people oysters and been like just take these yeah like just like it's more important for us for you to try these and get comfortable with them and and shuck learn to shuck them and mm -hmm. you know teach you how to cook them or whatever um because you know the more you eat the more we can plant yeah, the better the water is your whole thing we're trying to do is you know we the oyster farming system in general you're creating shell mass and that shell mass is great for wild oysters you because every every farm raised oyster we grow and sell that's that's that shell that we're creating which is habitat for the wild spat um so if you're taking that shell and putting it back into water you're doing reef restoration 
and the more, you know, oysters as a keystone species in the Bay and in the East coast in general, you, you want to have more oysters because you're filtering that much more water mm -hmm. and, and help restoring the, the water column and fixing those, um, fixing that, that keystone, uh, that niche that's been missing yeah. for the past 50 or 60 years, um, since they've been over harvested. Yeah. I feel like, um, me doing the things that I do, that's one of the hardest things for people to understand and take hold of is like the whole, well, that's why I like a lot of my videos, uh, I was saying the last month, um, not, well, not a lot of videos, but more than I usually put out, but it have, has been about, uh, shell recycling because, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, well, I know I'm not going to explain this, um, perfect, but I know oyster recovery can tell you about it. I know uh, shell recycling can tell you about it. I know uh, uh, oyster reef, whatever. You know, there's different platforms that can break this down way better than I can. But here's an introductory. Here's an introduction to what shell recycling is and why I do it and why I think it's important. And if you want to know more, dot, dot, dot. Here we go. Um, thank you guys so much for joining me again, taking time out your day. I just realized I got another daggone interview to do after yours. And then I got and then I got a one-on-one -on -one, um consultation after that. So um thank you guys so much. Um I gotta maximize my time when I'm at home, uh, as you see. Um, but you know how it is. Y'all, y'all are oyster farmers, y'all gotta maximize your time on the water. Um where can people find you? Where people where can people uh get your oysters, you know, name of your website, uh uh, any any last words? Anything else you wanted to put out there? No. Steamboatwarfoysters.com and then Instagram. Instagram is Steamboatwarfoysters. Steamboat we, we like to keep it yeah. Keep it real on the Instagram. Go, give so us a follow. You'll find out everything you want to know. We post, <laughs> yeah. we post quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, we go off on the stories like yeah. once a week, I yep. think. Every time we're out in the water, we see some crazy, crazy critter. Yeah. Or some seahorses or uh, no, we've shrimp. Never seen <laughs> yeah. All kinds of stuff. Out yeah, there. we're online. Yeah. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a DM. The phone number on our Instagram is Thomas's cell phone. So feel free to call that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys again. And uh, be safe out there. Keep promoting a, a great oyster. I'm going to eat some more oysters later on today. You guys are great. It's been great talking to you. Um, I hope to see you in person. Uh, I hope to come down to the farm to work my two hours and get some beer. Um, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, um, thank you.